Hello, hey, all right. Well, find your seats, everyone. Let's, uh, we're going to close out the, the new year, or the old year today, as we, uh, this, this is my, <clears throat> this is my favorite time of year. We usually do uh, a couple of kind of messages that are out of the ordinary, out of our normal series around this time of year. And uh, so that's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. And in each of these messages is going to build uh, from week to week to week. So uh, we'll start today. And uh, I love this time of year because I, I think it's a great time for us to, to pause and to t- kind of take stock of, of where we've been uh, in order to then think as we come into the new year about where we want to go. Uh, where we want to be. Um, uh, it's just really strange for me because Mandy's sitting on the back row. <laughs> uh, she never sits on the back row. I wonder if I've done something to offend her. No, it, uh, so, so this is one of my favorite times of the year because I like to reflect. And I don't, I'm not talking about resolutions. Right? You know, most people statistically break their resolutions within a week, right? I'm not talking about resolutions. I want to think beyond just resolutions but an opportunity for us to, to pause and reflect. You know, one of the things that happens to us, uh, it happens naturally. Uh, we enter into a relationship with Jesus through the gospel. And over time, uh, we start to feel like that is something that we did back then. We start to feel that the gospel is something we needed back then, but it's not something that we need today. I, I can kind of take care of things today. And so we, we, we start to drift away from the gospel. And I want to suggest over the coming weeks that this is a good time for us to, to lean back into the gospel. As we reflect, as we think about what we want to see God do in our lives, uh, it's a call for us to lean into the gospel, to express our need every single day for the grace, the empowering presence of God that we see at work in the gospel. You know, God loves us. He loves us just the way we are. And if you don't hear anything else I say, hear that. That God loves us just the way we are. But because He loves us, He doesn't want us to stay the way we are. See, as He transforms us, and grows us, we begin to experience more of what it means to be his son or his daughter. And that leads to joy, see. So God loves you this morning. And because he loves you, he wants to see you transformed and changed so that you might know him more and more and experience his joy. So over the next few weeks, I want to think about that with you. Uh, I want us to think about leaving 2023. Some of you are probably happy that 2023 is over. And moving into 2024 and what that looks like for us. So let's pray. And then we'll look at this, uh, these two verses. Father, you are good. You love us. And Father, we pray that as we look at your word, that it might come alive to us, that your spirit might make it real for us. 
Pray, Father, that you would speak directly to our hearts and challenge us as we think back and as we look ahead. Would you pray for your heart this morning? Just pray that God would speak to your heart as we look at his word. Not out loud, but just silently. And then would you pray for me that God might speak through me as we look at these two verses. Well, Father, again, we we need you. We pray that you would speak to us today and over these coming weeks. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there is a tiny village I've discovered on the far eastern edge of County Galway called Craig's. Now, most of you have probably never heard of Craig's. Nobody has except the people that live there, okay? Uh, Wyatt had a rugby match there, and so I had to drive him out to Craig's. Now, if you were to look at a map and draw a direct line from where we live to Craig's, it should only take you about an hour to get there. It probably took us an hour and a half to two hours to get there because there is no direct route from here to Craig's. So, you know, good old Google Maps, right? We're, we're, we're cruising along with Google Maps and there's probably a thousand different ways to get there because you drive for a little bit and you turn and then you turn again and then you turn again and then you turn again. And at one point I looked over at Wyatt and I said, look, buddy, if something happens to us, and technology goes, I say, we're going to die. I have no idea where we are right now. And that's the problem with Google Maps, isn't it? As you're going, kind of all you can see really is the next little turn. It's, diff- it's difficult in the moment to, to, to step out and get a large perspective. Now, for those of you that are older, you remember there was a day before Google Maps. And what did you have to do then? If you wanted to travel somewhere, you had to take out a giant paper map and you had to put it on the table. And the first thing you had to do was you had to find where you were on the map, right? You had to say, okay, here's where we are and here's where we want to go. And then you could map out the different twists and the different turns. That was the way we we rolled back then, right? Paper map. You plot where you are, and then you determine where you want to go and how to get there. And listen, all of us are on a journey in this life, aren't we? All of us are on a journey. That means we're going somewhere. The the road that you are on right now is leading you to a destination. It's leading you somewhere. And I want to suggest that this, uh, this time of year is a great opportunity to step back, to raise our perspective, and to think about where we're headed. Now, I think plotting our location, thinking about where we are right now, and then thinking about the next move that we're going to make is, a, is a, a great thing. It's a great exercise as we close out one year and we move into the next. And here in these two verses, we're going to get some good food for reflection. 
as we enter in, as we transition into this new year. These two verses are going to demand. It's what Jesus is going to demand. It's what I'm going to ask you to do. These two verses are going to demand that we plot our position on the map. That we think about where we are right now. You see, look, roads have destinations. All roads lead somewhere. And as Jesus concludes uh, his Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7, you probably noticed he speaks in real binary language. If I can use that popular term. Jesus is very binary in what he is going to say here. Our loving, compassionate, moral teacher Jesus is about to make the most exclusive, the most restrictive claim that can be made. Here's what he's going to say. When it comes to roads, there's a right road and there's a wrong road. There's a good road and there's a bad road. There's no middle ground. And so we need to take what Jesus says here seriously because roads have destinations. The Sermon on the Mount, just as a whole, isn't given so that we might think and then make a few little minor adjustments. That's not why Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is given that we might totally reorient our lives around the fact that Jesus is King. And that's what we see when we look. If we are Kingdom of God kids, then we must orient our lives around following the King. And this last section of the Sermon on the Mount is going to show us the urgency in doing that. Look, two gates, two crowds, two roads that lead to two destinations. Beyond this section, you're going to see two trees, two claims. And two builders. That's it. Two. Here's your choices. And my hope for us today, as we come to the end of this year, is that we would plant a flag. That each of us would take stock and plant a flag. That we would know where we stand as we consider this choice with only two possibilities. So let's look at these verses together. Jesus is going to make an an overarching argument here that we enter the kingdom by responding to his words. So think about his words in these two contrasting ways in these two verses. There is a gate on the one hand, that is wide, and on the surface, it looks really, really good, doesn't it? So think about, he says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, 
and those who enter by it are many. There's a gate and a road that is wide. And on the surface, it looks really good, right? It's wide, it's broad, isn't it? And, and right, uh, uh, bigger is better, isn't it? I mean, isn't bigger better? Think about wide seats. This is first class, right? Would you rather, uh, would you rather stay at a hotel that had a tiny, broken down, uh, small door that you couldn't get your baggage through? Or would you rather stay at a five star with a big archway for a door, right? Bigger is better, isn't it? And Jesus says, many are those who are on it. This is popular. This is where the majority are on this particular road. You won't be alone. You won't be different. You won't have to swim upstream. You can hide out in the crowd. But look, most of us know by experience, don't we, that bigger is not always better, right? Bigger is not always better. And is the majority always right? The crowd is not always the best place to be. Jesus says there's a gate that leads to a road, that leads to a destination. And how does Jesus describe the destination of this broad, wide road that leads to destruction? And he is clearly and obviously thinking about what we might call eschatological destruction. This is judgment like that we considered earlier in the catechism. This broad, popular road looks nice, but listen, Jesus says it will take you where you don't want to go. It's not everything it's cracked up to be. It looks great on the surface, but underneath, if you turn it over, it's death. It's destruction. But there's another gate. Uh, and there's another road that, in contrast to the one before, isn't broad and wide. It's narrow in verse 14. And Jesus has already told us to enter by the narrow gate. In verse 14, he says, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Small and narrow. Uh, there's two different Greek words that appear here, and it's, it's interesting because Jesus says that the, the road is narrow. He says, enter by the narrow gate. Uh, he, he says that uh, in verse 14, the gate is narrow. And then he uses a different word when he says, and the way is hard. If you have an NIV, uh, it's narrow again. It's because it, in, in English, we translate it as uh, as narrow, but in the Greek it means difficult. So this narrow gate is a, it's a road of difficulty. It's a road of hardship. It's a road of opposition. It's a road of struggle. See, the way of Jesus is narrow because on that road, if we follow him, we face persecution and opposition, and difficulty. 
literally, it, it, the idea is if you walk through this narrow gate onto this narrow road, you're going to be squeezed by hardship. You're going to be squeezed by opposition and difficulty. It's a struggle. And if you follow Jesus, you know that, right? The gospel uh, is an easy street. The, the gospel is full of, uh, of difficulty and opposition. It requires us to, to, to fight and to struggle, right? Jesus said the way uh, that those who find it are few. You're going to be unpopular if you follow Jesus. There aren't many on this road. Think about uh, a road out in Connemara. Go to Parag's house. Some of the roads, you can barely fit one car down. It's narrow. There's not many people on it. If you want to be a Jesus follower, you'll be an alien. You'll be an outcast. You, you, you will be considered weird and strange. You will have to swim upstream. It's not so inviting on the surface, is it? I mean, on the surface, which would you choose? Well, give me the wide road. But all roads lead somewhere. All roads lead to a destination. So what is it about this narrow, difficult road that would make us want to be on it? That would make us want to choose difficulty and hardship? Jesus said, it leads to life. It leads to life. This road leads to fullness of life in the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 13, it is an ultimate joy that far exceeds anything that's on offer in this life. So much so that we would sell all that we have just to get it. It's hard, yes, for a short time now. But the fullness of the kingdom awaits. The endless experience of all satisfying joy in God's presence in a fully restored creation apart from even the presence of sin. That's the destination of this narrow road. And listen, that is what you and I were made for, to enjoy God and his love eternally without sin. So Jesus says, enter. <laughs> it's an invitation. He says, enter in to this narrow road. Now, there's a couple of things that we need to think about here. There's a difference that we need to appreciate between us today and the disciples at this particular time. They weren't Christian in the same sense that we are this side of the cross. Remember, the, the, the cross and the resurrection haven't happened at this time. At this point, the, the, the disciples and these followers, these ones who are following and hearing Jesus, are, are, are more like people today who are trying to decide if they're going to accept the claims of Jesus 
or not. Jesus is encouraging them to believe what he says about himself and to embrace it and to believe it. Not to, not to press on, but to, to accept and believe that he is the Messiah of God and to follow him. But what would Jesus be saying then to us as believers? Well, once we have believed, what is he saying to us? Our call, having entered through faith, is to press on. To press on as we walk this narrow road to the kingdom by continuing to follow Jesus. Continuing to trust in Him. Continuing to look to Him for that life that He promises. There's a metaphor here, isn't there? With the gate and the road and the destination. And there's a question as to what the metaphor points to. Is the gate that Jesus talks about entering into, is that something that we enter into at death? Or is it something that we enter into in this life and then begin to walk along a road? In other words, does everyone kind of funnel down towards one of these gates and then enter when they die based on what they've done, whether it's good or bad? Or is there in this life a decisive break that we make where we, by faith, enter into and begin to walk along this road to Jesus? I think it's the latter. Jesus has already said back in Matthew 5 verse 20 that our good works are not enough. We need more than that. Our, 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 he, he said it, that our righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees, who were the, the professional religious guys, right? Our good works are not enough. So Jesus is talking about something else. There's a journey that's implied between the time that we enter the gate and the time that we reach our destination. So we choose to enter now by faith, onto a narrow road of difficulty and persecution and struggle that eventually leads to a fully realized kingdom later. Think about it like this. It's, it's like the, 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 the jetway that leads to a plane, okay? You know, you're at the airport, and they call your flight, and you go up and you show your passport, your ticket, and you go through the little doorway, through the little gate to the jetway that then takes you to the plane. That's what Jesus is talking about. There's a gate. We enter into it by faith. And that puts us on a journey, on a road that leads to this destination. And so here's a question that might be worth our asking. The way that Jesus says this. Is our ultimate entrance then into the kingdom dependent upon us walking this narrow road to the end? Well, yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, Jesus later in Luke chapter 13, he says, 
strive to enter the kingdom of God. He thinks about entering into the kingdom as something that we press on and strive. That word strive, it involves struggle. We strive to enter the kingdom of God. See, walking this narrow road to Jesus, it demands perseverance. It demands that we continue. And we we, we see many warnings, frankly, in the New Testament for believers to persevere in their faith, to take an active role in encouraging one another to persevere and to keep following Jesus. And those warnings are real because there is no hope apart from Jesus. You, right? There is no hope for entrance into the kingdom of God simply by coming to church or simply by being born into a family where Jesus is talked about. Because entrance into the kingdom is dependent upon belief and trusting in him. There is no hope apart from Jesus. This is the book of Hebrews. uh, Calling a community to encourage one another to persevere because that's what believers do. Believers continue to believe in Jesus. So salvation, ultimate entrance into the kingdom, is always contingent. It's always dependent upon belief. And so Jesus says, keep believing. Keep on trusting. Keep on going. Persevere. And look, this becomes for us a a mark of assurance, right? We suffer. We endure difficulty. And with the encouragement of brothers and sisters, we keep believing and we keep following. And we can see God working in us. Listen, don't miss this. True believers persevere ultimately because it is God who is at work in them through the gospel. So we are called to persevere and and struggle onward in our faith as we walk toward Jesus. But ultimately, God takes responsibility for preserving those who are his. So yes, we strive and to, to stay on the road. We hold fast. But we only do that because God in his grace keeps his kids and he keeps them to the end. He sustains us. Uh, John Piper said as he thought about this Don't think of striving in order to earn God's favor. Think of striving with the favor of his help. So God calls us to persevere, to keep following Jesus. But the only reason we do that is because God is at work in us to preserve us. Let me see if I can illustrate this. Because it can be difficult to think about. When we first moved to Galway, we lived on Kappa Road. And we lived right on the main road. And so there were cars and buses going up and down the road. And our house was like right there. And Emma in particular, and then Zoe 
uh, were, were both born kind of in that house. That was, where, that was where they grew those first few years. And we would warn them. We would say to them, don't go in the road. If you go in the road, you'll get hit by a car. Your guts will be splattered on the road and you'll die. So we warned them and we meant that. You know, we like, don't go in the road because the car will hit you and you will die. But listen, every time we went outside near that road, guess what Mandy and I did? We held them close. And we stood between the road and them so that they weren't going in the road. Do you see? So we warned them, and that warning was real. But then we made sure that we were with them and held their hand so that they would not get in the road. See, and that's what God does. He calls us to persevere, to keep believing in Jesus in spite of the difficulty. And yet, in His grace, He preserves His people. True believers, those who have entered the narrow gate, persevere by the grace of God at work in them. So how do we obey Jesus' call here? When he says enter, when we read later, he says strive to enter the kingdom. How do we obey Jesus' call as we think about how we live on this difficult journey? And we're going to expand on this in the weeks to come. But I want us to think over these next few weeks in terms of steps along this journey to Jesus. If you've been a believer for any length of time, you know this road is a long road. It's a long walk to Jesus. Uh, uh, Eugene Peterson called it a long obedience in the same direction. Like a toddler walking, you know, one foot in front of the other, walking towards Mama, that this is the way we think about this road that we're on to Jesus. We don't vaguely funnel towards the kingdom. We enter through the gate of faith onto this narrow road to life. And so as we enter into this new year, as we close the book on 2023, we're called to plant a flag where are you right now? Where are you right now in terms of these particular roads that Jesus talks about? Remember, there's only two. And listen, some people want to try to straddle both of the roads, but you can't do that. And here's why you can't do it. Because eventually, the roads will diverge. Eventually, the wide road that leads to destruction is going to diverge this way into sin. And you can't keep your feet in, in both of them. And you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to make a choice. Am I going to plant myself on this wide road that looks good and feels good, but leads to destruction? Or am I going to plant myself on this narrow road that leads to life. At some point, you're going to have to plot where you are on the map. This is what Jesus 
calls us to. And listen, let me just be blunt here. I would rather you be firmly planted on the road to damnation and destruction and to know it than I would for you to be foolishly thinking that you are on the road to life. Where are you right now? Which road are you on? And then what we do once we know where we are, then we keep stepping toward Jesus together. Listen, you can't do it alone. None of us can. If you're trying to be a lone wolf, lone wolves don't make it. They don't. We need one another to help encourage our faith when we feel like stepping out. We need the grace of God and the gospel to transform our needy hearts so that we will choose to continue to follow when we don't feel like following. Where are you? And what is the next step that Jesus is calling you to make? My hope is that we would be a community together of sinners in need of grace who struggle together on the road of faith. Encouraging one another to take whatever next step Jesus is calling us to take towards Him. And it all begins with reflection. So as we close out this year, as we move into the next, it's a great time to stop and to take stock. You got the map out? There's two roads. One leads to destruction. One leads to life. Where are you? Where are you? Which road are you on? And then what's the next step Jesus is calling me to make towards him? For some of you, Jesus is calling you to nail down what you believe. Just like these disciples. You hear, you've heard the claims of Jesus. Make a decision. Do you believe him or do you not? For some of you, maybe the next step Jesus is calling you to make is to get up and to get moving on this road to him. You kind of, you've hit the deck and you're stuck. Maybe there's unconfessed sin in your life that's holding you back. Maybe it's difficulty. Maybe you're trying to go at it uh, alone. And maybe the next step Jesus is calling you to make is to stand up. Maybe it's a next step to talk to your neighbor or your friend or your coworker, or, or to start reading the Bible or, or to start giving uh, of your time or your talents or your resources. Maybe he's calling you the next step is to get baptized. Maybe it's to, to bury your pride and to mend that relationship. I don't know what he's calling you to make. 
But this is a great time of year to stop and to see where you are on the map and what is the next step Jesus is calling me to take. So, to that end, just as we close, over the next few weeks, we're going to have these little pieces of paper available over there uh, on the tables. And I would encourage you to take one. It just says, my next steps for 2024. What is the next step that Jesus is calling you to make? And then, listen, this is going to be hard. If you write something down, share it with someone. Share it with someone that can help encourage you to take it. And then pin it. Well, don't pin it. You can't really pin it to your mirror. Tape it to your mirror so you see it every day. And you're reminded, this is what I'm praying that God is going to do. This is what I want my next step to be. Two roads. You're on one of them. Which one are you on? And if you are a believer, if you are struggling along this narrow road by faith, what's the next step Jesus is calling you to make? What's the next step? We don't arrive all at once. Anywhere we get in life, we get one step at a time. So what's the next step that Jesus is calling you to make? And we'll pick up on that next week as well. Let's pray together. Father, would you be at work in us? Would you help us to see with honesty and clarity where we are with you? I pray, Father, for those who have heard the claims of Jesus. Maybe they've been in church many years. And they've heard the claims of Jesus, but they've never come to a point where they've bought it, where they've trusted and placed their trust in what Jesus said about himself and what he accomplished on the cross. Would your spirit be at work in those hearts to bring them to a place where the the veil is removed and they see the urgency of the gospel. And they trust you. Father, would you be at work in the hearts of those who know they are believers but are struggling? They're struggling maybe with uh, discerning what the next step is. God, would you through your spirit show them the step that you're calling them to take in faith and give them the grace to be able to take it. Father, all of us need to take a step. Would you help us to do that together, encouraging one another to keep believing into 24. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.